everyone, and welcome to Dungeons and Diapers. I'm your host this week, Ryan, and joining me, as always, is Crofton. How's it going, Crofton? He's your host, ladies and gents. It's Ryan. Give him a round of applause here. Come on. Come on, people. Let's hear you. Round of applause. All right. Perfect. Yes. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, and you know what? We've got such a one-sided show here because Crofton has neglected to fill in the notes. So I'm going to punish him with not one, but two pre-main topic segments. Crofton, I hope you're ready for the Crofton side of court returning two episodes in a row. Two episodes in a row. It's happening. I've got a backlog to work it through and the bow, uh, the bow, the core show expects us to catch up on their clips like this is still july we're talking about here do they send you emails saying like hey ryan Constantly. you really gotta get on it you gotta get on this yeah the quarterly report was just last week and it was not good uh their their numbers are way down what numbers those are i don't know they didn't they just said numbers they didn't really give us any more than that however this is a part of the show where i play a clip from uh I, you know some would call it the sister podcast. Some would just say it's another podcast that exists on a separate network. Some would say that. No affiliation to this podcast, outside of the fact that on the core show, Bo, Bo Schwartz, Crofton's bestest friend, uh, is on that show. And um, sometimes Crofton comes up and it's kind of like just randomness uh, that happens. And there's no there's no Crofton there to explain what, what is going on. And this one is a very... Um, a, a very like drop of a of a Crofton with and and not a pin is heard because Crofton's not there to explain it. So here we go, the Crofton side of core. What about what's his um, name? Um, uh, Crofton. Cro- Crofton. He's got something. He does have something. Uh, so this is from Core three seventy two, in which uh, the classic. I'm gonna out you here. I'm gonna I'm gonna put some information out there. The classic Flashblade name is dropped. But no explanation is given. So listen to this. I named them Bork, B-O-R-K. And I don't know why. That's just a thing. For a long time, it was GURP. Sometimes it's Dingus. Sometimes it's, you know, it's often stupid. I got a little Crofton in me. Just a little Crofton sleeps inside of me. Yeah, Crofton always names his character Flashblade. It doesn't matter. Like, I don't know why. Flashblade? Oh. Yeah, that's his in-game name forever. Yeah, It's his GURP, I guess. Yeah. So... Crofton, what I, I I have this weird feeling like we've talked about this before. I love how disappointed Scott is. He's like <laughs> he's like I I come up with with weird crazy names. I got a little Crofton in me, I guess. And and Bo's like actually Crofton's got a really basic bitch gamer name, uh, Flashblade. Uh, and, and Scott's like really? Oh well. <laughs> I guess then I'm just sort of doing my own thing. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, the disappointment was palpable. I love it so much. Um, yeah. So uh, this is actually, this is probably the first time that uh, that you've done this segment where I've actually like, Oh, I'm glad that I have a chance to add context. on this. Oh, wow. Wow. Good thing. The listeners love this segment. I've heard like literally ones of emails about it. So ones of emails. Yeah. Wow. That's more than we get for, uh, it's for true. you being actually on the show. So, I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, that's fair. Um, so, <laughs> so, so uh, when I was playing, uh, I went over to my friend's place in, I, I want to say the eighth grade. 
and um at he we were we he had just gotten a new video game and his computer was more powerful than mine and i was excited to be able to play this game which he had pumped my tires about i actually didn't know much but it's called the elder scrolls daggerfall uh and it was uh between the very first elder scrolls game and the game that kind of kicked kicked the tires on that franchise which was morrowind um there was daggerfall and when daggerfall came out we were like sitting at his computer trying in the character creation screen and he's a big fan of character creation i do not give a shit about uh, character creation and uh and so i was like trying to hurry it along and he was like oh what's our character gonna be exactly and then it was time to name them and i was reading a lot of these high fantasy books as you do well you can do it anytime but i read a lot in high school and uh my favorite hockey fl- player at the time was Theron Flurry, which has not aged well. Incidentally, he's gone essentially round the bend uh, as a retired hockey player. But uh, oh yeah, that guy! I came up with the name Theron Flashblade, um, and uh, and it's funny because uh, from that point on. I started using the handle Flashblade in all my games. But all of my games were not online because I'm so old that we didn't have online multiplayer at this point. But my friend, he was actually uh, more savvy than me. He created his own website. He made a fan site in anticipation of the game StarCraft. Um, and uh, which was going to be coming out. And he was a huge fan of Warcraft 2, and he made a fan site, and he called it Flashblade Starcraft Fan Site. And that grinded my gears because I was the one that came up with Flashblade as a handle. So almost as if to spite him, I used the handle Flashblade. Whenever I would create a character for any game, I was you know going to be use that name. Even when it, as I became an adult, I was like legit embarrassed by it. I'm like, this is a little embarrassing. I feel like I could have a better name than this. Uh, and so, uh, but now I just use it all the time, and it is my sort of. I, and honestly, the real reason now is is no longer spite. Uh, Spite had a good run, but it's not Spite anymore. Now it's laziness. Now I'm just like, I don't want to do character creation. Uh, I'll just be Flashblade. And I'll tell you, for the first time, I want to say ever or almost ever, in Baldur's Gate 3, which I'm playing now, I have named my character something that is not Flashblade. um, Because I was... I have too much respect for that game and the writing in it and all of this that when I was writing Flashblade, I was like, no, you know what? I can't do it. Even though it's a fantasy game, I'm like, it's got to be a better name. Or it's, and especially I I was trying to think about what my character would be and all of this stuff. And I knew I was going to be Flashblade as well with the guys when I played online, uh, my character for, for online, which, which I still am. So, uh, so, so yeah, anyway, for, for the most part, that's the name I use and uh, I use it every time. And I disappointed Scott and I love the disappointment in his voice. <laughs> yeah. And, and for the record, I, uh, I actually think Flashblade is a, is a fine name. Flashblade is good. I, I don't, uh, I'm not going to have that reaction that Scott had of like, Oh, 
it's just Flashblade. Well, it, it's not that it's it's just uh, it's very much like a gamer name, you know, yeah. Flashblade seventy three zero zero Leap Killer. You know, like I don't know it. It's just it's just it's not goofy. It's not whatever. It's just it is what it is and stuff. So I mean, now people can pretty much find me online wherever they. <laughs> they look, they're like oh flash but and the thing is i i don't often get i don't get it often for like some of those big like steam profiles or other profiles like i'll have to substitute an l for a one or something like that uh or you oh, know oh, like no no i got to because it's I taken guess. yeah i mean it's better than having a bunch of numbers at the end and stuff uh you know but but if you if someone says oh what's your steam tag you could say oh it's Flashblade. Flashblade one, but then if you replace L with a one, it's like, well, it's Flashblade, but it's a one for an L. Like, I think I'd rather just say Flashblade one. Look, the Expendables four just came out, and they're using a four in for the A. So if they can do it, I can do it. So how do you pronounce that? Ex Expandables. Flashblade, but when it, the second L is a one. Yeah, second L. Yeah, no, you're right. Well, I don't know. Whatever, <laughs> whatever it is. You have to clarify. You make both of the L's ones to make it easier. You don't. <laughs> I'm not going to say it on the podcast. People will have to figure it out themselves if they want to track me down. Okay. Well, that was the Crofton side of core. I really uh, liked where that one went, and I took it all back. Uh, Flash Blade is a is a uh, no. It's a, it's a fine name, unless you put numbers in it. Hey, wait. What's your gamer name? <laughs> You're gonna laugh, just like I am. It's a and it's a it's an equally stupid story. Uh, it's Merpan. Oh, right. I think I knew yeah. this. Why? That is a great question. My last name is, uh, Murphy. And right. I was that part trying, I get. yeah, I was trying to come up with a name in World of Warcraft, uh, for a character. And I had like Dead Rock, which was my, uh, my undead character, my undead warrior with spiky hair. And then I had a Tauren and I was trying to think of a name. And just like, I guess, Merpan came into my mind. And then that led to uh, pretty much Xbox. And that's that's it. Like Xbox got Merpan and a World of Warcraft character got Merpan. The rest of them are like variations of R. Murphy and just stuff like that. <laughs> really boring. So and, and it, the, the rest, as they say, was history. Yeah. And the rest. And now, you know. The rest of the story. Uh, yeah, so it's 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 not as interesting. There was no spite involved. Uh, I think uh, it was it was mostly just it, it was whenever the accounts were created like Xbox. I know you can change your Xbox tag, but I just never really felt the need for it. Like, uh, oh, wait, maybe I'm maybe I'm Merpan on PlayStation as well. Maybe that's the connection there. I don't know. I should know these things off by heart. I am like. Someone who's often asked for for my uh, tags, my gamer tags, I guess you can call them. But I know I'm not Merpan on Steam. So there's that. I'm kind of all over the place. I'm terrible with my names. At least you've got consistency, man. Me, I'm all over yeah. the place. I mean, I guess so. I guess, yeah, so. I guess I feel so. like you're, you're a regular Merpan. Yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, well, before we get into the dungeons, we've got we've got a watch to to get an update on. PlayStation 5 Watch 2023. Peer pressure edition. It's time to buy Crofton. All right, Crofton, you've been playing a lot of Spider-Man on PS4, trying to trick yourself into thinking you don't want a PS5. 
Where are we at on this? Uh, well, funny story, Ryan. Um, yeah. So I spent a bunch of money accidentally this week. Uh, on a PS5? Not on a PS5. Oh. So it was my anniversary a month late. Um, and uh, I decided to take my wife to Montreal. We were going to have a romantic night away from the children. My mom came to take the kids and, and you know i think this is like the first time we've both been away maybe since gwen was born nine years ago like honestly it's we we've never had felt confident being able to do this the kids are older now we were like okay let's do it and so uh we were i was in charge of booking the hotel and i used one of these websites like uh trip advisor type stuff uh, i used hotwire which is one that allows you to book a hotel at a reduced rate without knowing and uh, what it is. It gives you, it's sort of like a mystery. You choose like four and a half stars in old Montreal. And then you, you're like, okay, well, when are you going to get? And so I did that and I got a great hotel uh, and uh, I bought it the day before we're leaving in the evening. And I was like, okay, we're, we're good. I got something great tomorrow. We're going to go. We're packing up to go the next day. My wife says, do you have the address of the hotel? And I look up my reservation and sure enough, I had, I had reserved it for the night before the night that I was sitting at my computer at 7 PM and I bought it. I was saying I was buying it for that night and not the night, the following night. Oh, and, and so I called the, the company and I say, Hey, uh, I, my bad. And they were like, yeah, you're, you're bad. Our money. I'm like, okay. Uh, is there anything I can do? And they're like, no, because it's in the past. You're like a no show. Um, you could try calling the hotel. So I called the hotel and here's a tip for, for listeners that just, I mean, like I'm, I, I think maybe a lot of people know this. I don't travel enough to know it, but the hotels don't like, like, their preference is not that you reserve through booking.com or any of these websites. Like they need to be there to get, to get bookings, but they prefer that you reserve directly through them and they have a lot more control on the booking too. So I was talking to the lady and she's like, yeah, like we, we, um, if you reserve through a, a third party provider, they get all the money and they give us a certain amount of money, right? Like, but, but it's not like we don't control it. If you went through us, I would be able to move your room reservation to today, but I can't do that. You know, showed it with them. You've paid them. They're not going to give us the money back. So, I mean, like, I can't really do anything. And I was like, shit, that really sucks. And then I had a moment of like, well, do I not go at all? But like, I had my, my mom booked, I had all this stuff, I was freaking out. So I booked another night with them. I asked them what they could do for me. She was lucky. I was lucky. She did as much as she possibly could to give me a good rate. Uh, and she did a nice thing for my anniversary, like for the room. And it was really nice. But at the end of the day, I still paid twice for the same like five-star hotel practically in old Montreal. And uh, it just, you know, I'm not saying it was the total cost of a PlayStation five, but uh, you know, money is tight enough these days that it, if I was considering a PlayStation five, I am way back on that now. And uh, yeah, so I would say to, to that story to PlayStation five watch if last week I was, I was like, Oh, I don't know. Based on all the promo of Spider-Man five and how the, 
Gwen was enjoying playing the Spider-Man PS4 with me. This week, I'm like, not not this year, likely. I think you could almost retire PS5 Watch until next year. Uh, well, a devastating update for PS5 Watch, and we will pause this one for a little bit. So, yeah. PS5 Watch 2023. Crofton, just buy one already. I, I actually had that recorded <laughs> before that whole devastating update so <laughs> i was gonna ask you I'm like, how many of these do you have oh, god damn it well uh, uh thank you to derek for recording that one um thanks yeah. derek yeah thank you derek uh but yeah <laughs> sorry <clears throat> i'm just trying to remain professional here because these watches are very uh serious so <laughs> um Hey, you know what? Uh, you know, I, I feel you. Uh, I've definitely been there before where you like you send money into the ether and it just it, it, you, your brain immediately attaches it to something else that you were hoping to pick up or, or saving towards. And um, I remember specifically like I, I don't know what happened, but my phone bill overages went crazy and I just got married like three months before and I had to, I was on the phone for hours trying to talk to you know the cell phone provider and they're like yeah there's nothing we can do like this was this was before there were like unlimited plans and outage reminder or, uh, uh, overage reminders and stuff and they're like well we'll cut your bill in half and it's like well that's still gonna be very expensive so yeah like you you basically when you put money out there and you feel like it's wasted you kind of it, like it takes that amount off of whatever you were hoping to buy that was not like absolutely necessary. Like as much as I would love Crofton to buy a PS five, I know he doesn't need it to live. Uh, but we'll see what happens when Spider-Man two comes out. Also, like I will say in longtime listeners will remember, I went on strike for yes, better pay earlier this year. Someone might, might say it was my first strike. Um, and uh, this is his first strike. And during that, I I am entitled to some back pay and different things, which will eventually come through. And when it does come through, I may be able to consider buying a PS PS Five. Uh, but it is true, like I don't need it. And um, there's a you know like um, the Cyberpunk expansion just came out. It, the reviews are coming in as we speak. So far, it's looking like a rave review i am keen to jump into that on likely on the xbox series s which and uh obviously i'm just into back act two on in Baldur's gate which i'll talk about a little bit more of uh i'm drowning in games i still got uh you know tears of the kingdom to finish so forth so on uh so i'm not like it Next year, I, if if it's not a banner year like this year in terms of games releases, I think it might be better timing for a PS5. We will, we will see. I know to many listeners they must think Ryan that because we're we're celebrities listened to by dozens of people that uh, that we must be multimillionaires that can buy anything we want at all times. But you know we can only f- afford one four four and a half to five star hotel room a night. You know. Yeah, for one one co-host. Um, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, the Patreon that's sitting in draft mode is just is is really just raking it in. I mean, what else can I say? Uh, but you know, here's the thing: it sounds like maybe there's a little bit of hope. So PlayStation Five Watch 2023. 
So anyways, uh, let's move in to the dungeons. Crofton, I'm going to start with you. I feel like I've been torturing you enough. So I want to know what has been going on in your dungeons life that is uh, something you want to share. So uh, I actually was thinking about this. And uh, like sometimes this show comes every two weeks. I have a t- we have tons of stuff. We're like thinking of all the crazy stuff we've been doing, or, or and it's just like full to the brim. For me, this time, it, and and this comes around every so often, where I'm doing the exact same thing I was doing last time. Like last time, I was talk- talking about Spider Mania in the Steers household. We're still playing Spider Man. Uh, is talking. We, we uh, Clara has act, asked to play Kirby, and so I've started that up again, and we're playing that a little bit with her. And I'm still playing and trucking away at Baldur's Gate 3. And every episode I say, oh, I'm not going to gush about that game. It's not going to be a Baldur's Gate gush session. But holy shit, that game is good. And I've just gotten into the second act, like having exhausted almost everything there was to do in the first act. And man, it just continues to be amazing. And, you know, like um, when Fallout, I think it's Fallout 3, the one – uh, they came out on, on, on Xbox 360. There was a big choice in Fallout 3 in which that you uh, can destroy this city called Megaton. Uh, and it's so crazy that you can destroy the city with all the NPCs in it and it changes the whole world and it changes everything. And I was thinking to my, you know, like back then it, it was a huge deal that you could do that. And not every choice in Fallout 3 was like that. There were other choices, but that was like a big kind of milestone choice. And then since then, Telltale had a series of games were, that were based on often the illusion of choice because the story was going to go a certain way. You could choose to do one thing or another thing. And, you know, maybe a character would die that was unimportant to the rest of the story or they could live if you did something, or maybe your shirt would rip and it wouldn't rip if you did something else, like in The Walking Dead, I'm thinking of specifically. But uh, but Telltale's choice always felt kind of like the illusion of choice. Um, and most games, honestly, that's not to pick on them, most games, that's the choice. It's like, it's like do you do A or B? Oh, you're going to end up in the same place. Anyway, it doesn't really make a difference. Do you say the asshole thing or the nice thing? Either you're going to get Renegade or Paragon points, and that maybe will unlock a different power, but you're going to go to the same place. You're going to do the same thing, you know? Um, and Baldur's Gate, man, it turns out on its head, you can do anything and change cho- uh, choices have real consequence down to the micro level, but also to the macro level. There's been about like five settlements I've encountered so far. I don't want to call them necessarily towns per se. And every one of them you can pretty much wipe out sometimes like just by, you know, attacking people randomly, or you could like, there's, there's big story events that would wipe out entire groups. And it's just insane the, the, the megaton choice from Fallout 3 is like everywhere here. It's like it's not just lip service. You can do anything. And so I'm still loving that game. It is so much fun to play. I haven't been able to coordinate with the guys since we last recorded. It's like organizing a D&D session. Very difficult to do. But I love that. It's a different flavor. But the single player is amazing. Um and I can't say enough good things about it. And so, yeah, I mean, 
Aside from that, Ryan, the only other thing I'm doing is uh, we, my wife and I have been watching Only Murders in the Building Season 3. We're now caught up on the week-to-week, and maybe I'll talk about that when it, it's going to resolve in the next couple of weeks. Maybe I'll talk a little bit about that. But uh, the short version is is just that like where these other shows – like Ted Lasso and other shows have have had lightning in a bottle and kind of struggled to keep it, keep it, especially season two, three onwards. Uh, Only Murders in the Building is still, despite my cynicism at the beginning of the season, with the way the last season ended and they did a tease for this season, I thought it wasn't going to be as good. I thought that maybe it would have jumped the shark. It definitely has not. Still a really, really enjoyable show. We'll see if they stick the landing or whatever, but uh, I've, we've been enjoying it so far and really, honestly, that's it. Like not, you know, we have the new kittens. It's been busy with the kittens, taking them to the vet and stuff. But we'll talk about that in the pets a bit later. What do you got going on? Uh, well, yeah, it's funny. You mentioned, uh, only murders in the building. I've, I've kind of been holding on to that one as well. Cause, um, uh, Ashley and I have been watching that one week to week. And as you said, it's going to wrap up probably by the time we next record and, I wonder, you know, I wonder for that show specifically, like, do they do they go for one more season? Like, it almost feels like every season they like, ah, oh, let's let's do one more. Let's let's push for one more. Like, I think if you go for four, that's that's crazy talk. Or have they proven themselves that they are capable of developing? Just keep just keeping it going. I don't know. Like, I'm 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 kind of half and half on this one. I always think of that scene in Die Hard 2 where John McClane is like crawling through the airport fence and he's, he's saying to himself or something, he's like, how could the same shit happen to the same guy twice or whatever? And it's like a big like – it's a big like nudge, nudge, wink, wink to the audience. And, uh, and I do feel like, you know <laughs> – uh, at one point, Tina Fake's character, who's a podcaster, talks to some one of the main protagonists and says, "You know, if people stop dying in that building, you're not going to have a podcast." <laughs> and uh, and I'm like, "Yeah, I mean, it's it, it is true. It is obviously at the point of like the believability is is stretched to the point that it would. <laughs> I mean, I I think that that a fourth season would be a tall order." One thing I would say, though, Ryan, is I would like they have done such a good job fleshing out the world of these characters and stuff. I would be interested almost in like an epilogue, like four episode or three episode series, just wrapping up everybody's story, like without a murder. Like it's kind of funny to think that. But like there's there's so many characters and so, so much uh, good stuff. And I'll be sad to leave the world of only murders in the building behind. But I do recognize if there's just another murder uh, at one point, it's starting to, you know, if it's not already get very, very ridiculous. And definitely one of the characters this year, their arc is very much based on the fact that they, they feel like that, that they can only be friends with these other two if there's a murder, you know, like that they're not able to relate or, or be, be buddies outside of that. Right. So, yeah. I mean, I, I, I can, those, that's a, that's a legit, that's a legit thing. Like Keanu Reeves and Sandra Bullock didn't stay together after the first speed movie. No, you know, their relationship didn't make it to speed two cruise control. No. Was there another, Lady in that one, I can't remember. Well, there was a speed. No, there was another man. Sandra Bullock came back, but Jason Patrick took over for Keanu Reeves. 
Oh. Oh, I thought Keanu Reeves was in both of them. Oh no. He was Weird. like I did I did what I need to do. What's this the Matrix? That sounds good. I'll do that instead. Yeah. Speed two was on a boat, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> was there ever a speed three? No. Oh. Speed two speed two did a number on the franchise. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I guess you could say that. One thing I'll say about Keanu Reeves, like if he if he wasn't so goddamn successful, um, there would be a speed three now. Like it would be like he would have, re- you know, the, this is the time where a lot of those franchises, like you know, Sly Stallone will bring back Expendables or 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 um, R- Rambo or whatever, countless times over. If, if Keanu Reeves didn't stop pumping out amazing John Wick movies or whatever. You know, he would be like going back. And I know he did do the Bill and Ted uh, extra movie during the pandemic. But I will say to that, he loves Bill and Ted. He loves that and doing that. And he wanted to do that. I think Speed was, you know, he probably thinks it's a decent movie, but he's not. His heart isn't attached to making Speed 3 death from above or whatever it's called. Yeah. I mean, if you do a bus, then you do a boat. I would like a transport or a plane, maybe. Or, that, I don't know. That's what the death from above was, Ryan. Oh, yeah. OK, great. Well, uh, with that tangent aside, um, what have I been doing? So it's weird. Like we do the show every other week. And I think once we hit a trend of like three episodes on schedule, we do often get to this point of like, you know, Crofton specifically has uh, kind of been doing the same thing. Uh which is great because I feel like Baldur's Gate three really needs and deserves that attention. Um, and we're still wrapping up shows and everything myself. On the other hand, uh, I, I like to, I like to, well, I have a weekly gaming show, so I like to uh, sort of schedule what I'm playing. Um, and you're promiscuous. Uh, sure. Uh, you know, just trying to make sure I have all my, you know, T's crossed and my eyes dotted. And, and I, I, there was a game that came out late August that I kind of avoided, um, specifically because I knew I was going to have to play Starfield for the gamers in. And I'm not going to talk about Starfield and unless like we really want to talk about Starfield, but I, I think that one would probably be best waited until Crofton dives into Starfield if he ever does. Uh, but I've been playing a lot of Sea of Stars, which is also on Game Pass and is a throwback RPG to the sort of 90s era of Square and Enix uh, 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 RPGs. Uh, one of my favorites being Nintendo's and Square's sort of uh, collaboration with Super Mario RPG, which is getting a remake in November. Um, and yeah, Sea of Stars is is kind of a it's one of those it is a modern i love these like we've been getting a lot of these uh these sort of like modern takes on older sort of nostalgic game design uh sort of mechanics like we've gotten a lot of like side scrollers we've got a lot of like well this one like rpgs and such so this one is really good the rpgs are often done with that hd 2d like the octopath traveler type you know, style. Hey, I just I just connected on something with and maybe somebody's already made this joke slash comment a zillion times. But sure. uh but Xbox Game Pass, I'm like, so you're playing you're playing you started by saying sea of and I was like thieves. Like I filled in the blank for you and you're like stars. I'm like, oh okay. 
but you're just done talking about Starfield. So they got Starfield, Sea of Stars, and Sea of Thieves. Like you could be playing a game connecting these games and putting them on Game Pass by title. Maybe Microsoft has a parameter. It's got to be like, now the next game is like, so what came out first, Sea of Stars or Starfield? The next game's got to be called Field of Corn or something to keep <laughs> to keep it going, you know? Maybe. Like, and then Corn Rose or whatever. I don't know. Like it's just... It's it's like a it's like a game pass like plus one. The, they're looking at their contracts. They're like, do we really have to name it that? I'm, <laughs> Phil Spencer's like, look, I don't make the rules. They're like, you literally do. He's like, yeah. yes, you have to. It's your job. <laughs> sea of Stars, uh, yeah. it is. Yeah, Sea of Stars is really great, and I mean, it, it is a. It, it, there's a reason I waited to play it because I, uh, based on some conversations I had with with friends, they were like, "You're really gonna love this one," and I'm like, "Okay, if I'm really gonna love this one, I want to make sure I give it the space it needs, uh, the space from Starfield, which is a space game, Crofton. If you're keeping up on the connections here, uh, so Starfield, I gave a fair shake for about a week, and I knew like once I had a chance to talk about it on the Gamers End, I have no issues sort of shelving it because it is, it's okay, it's okay." It's an okay Bethesda game that it will be there uh, in a couple months when when things uh, die down, which they won't. Uh, I, I like you, Crofton. I'm like, I should start building out like that 2024 list because like I think 2023 is this like weird anomaly of everyone kind of sorting out working during the pandemic and getting these games sort of like lined up. Uh, for a release and then they all just happen to land on 2023 most of these games are games that would have come out 2022 maybe late 2021 if their schedules hadn't have been disrupted uh but yeah like i think starfield's one of those games that i'm happy to kind of you know shelve for a little bit um but sea of stars is like this really special experience in that i don't think i've played a game like this since Super Mario RPG. Like there hasn't been sort of a, I, I know the Paper Mario games like come close, but they're too Nintendoed. I mean, I think what made Super Mario RPG really interesting is that it it had the sprinkling of nostalgia from Nintendo. So it had the Mario, the Bowser, the Peach. But like if you really think back to Super Mario RPG, it was mostly Square's work that I think made that game special. Uh, you know, the story, the bad guys, the the character design, like it's all very different from what you're probably used to when playing a Nintendo game. Uh, and the combat as well, like the time-based, the time action-based uh, combat, it, it really hasn't been done that way um, in, a, in a while. Like I know the Mario and Luigi games came close and I know Paper Mario came close before it kind of diverted into its own thing after the GameCube. But this game, Sea of Stars, like takes that concept and runs with it. And there are so many of these mechanics within the combat itself that is all based on like time-based button presses for defense and attack and to do bonus attacks. And then you're building up meters to do combo attacks, which differ depending on your party members. And uh, like there's just so much there in the combat that just makes it fresh every time you start a battle and... Unlike other RPGs, I was like, oh, man, I got to do another fight before I get to another puzzle. This one, I was more than happy. Oh, another fight. Let's go. Let's do this. Uh, I can't wait to see what kind of, you know, what kind of mechanics I get into this time, you know, like with with uh, with my attacks and whatnot. Um, 
And my favorite part, Crofton, is it doesn't punish you when you try to swap out your characters. So you have you start with a party of three, and eventually you recruit some additional characters. There is no uh, restrictions in swapping characters mid combat. Like you, you as long as a character hasn't made a, a move or a turn, you can swap that character and immediately start actions with another character that has its own health and mana pool. So it's like very forgiving in that regard, uh, especially considering you have to use the strategy of um, each character's element and weapon type to break what are called these like locks. So when an enemy is casting a spell, you get these little blocks above their heads and it's like an icon. So it'll be an icon of a sword or a mallet. Uh, Basically, to break that lock, you have to use that type of attack. And then sometimes it's an element like sun or moon or uh, poison. And you kind of use that strategy. And that kind of sets off the strategy of like, okay, I need this character to do this attack so that I can break these two locks. And then I can kind of finish up that lock, but with, with this other character. And it kind of goes from there as the combat sort of just moves through the game. And it is just so much fun. Like, I think like you'd really love this game and it's probably a really cool game that you could play with, uh, with Gwen. She'd probably dig it as well. Like it's, it very much reminds me if you took the legend of Zelda and made an RPG, like if, if, if square Enix, took the legend of Zelda and it's like, okay, make a turn-based RPG out of that. I think it, I think that's like a really good way of looking at it. And I think that she would like it in the sense that we started playing secret of mana at one point. I remember mentioning this, the controller cords were too short sure. on the, uh, on the uh, SNES controllers. And in the end, I was like, okay, we're, we're not going to keep playing this because my back is killing. Um, but uh but yeah i i know that like the graphical style wouldn't put her off and she would probably you know quite enjoy it um the the i'll tell you what's what's been putting me off ryan and and you can put my mind at ease and just bear in mind that i'm looking for a game for my steam deck because Baldur's gate as much as it works on the steam deck uh it's just like the whole control system is different than when i play on pc it's so much t- more tightly zoomed in. It's just, it takes so long to just boot up the game and stuff. I just, uh, with the even with the cloud save, unless I'm going on a trip somewhere and I can really sit down and get into it, for my, inten- for my intents and purposes, I need something that's a little bit more pick up and play on the Steam Deck. And this is one thing I've started to notice about the Steam Deck, that these games have been a little too meaty or like the font is too small or it's clearly a PC game. Uh, and I'm lo- I, I think I need to, to to tailor to a little bit more of a console experience. I think this might fit the bill, uh, even though it is an RPG. The thing, though, is that it, uh, it is on Game Pass, which I have, I think, and that I would have to buy it to get it on the Steam Deck. So that's always a, you know, it's always one of those considerations where you're like, well, I have this already on on another system. But the, my main concerns about it are twofold, and these are things that, uh, that I well one is I've got a lot of stuff going on with with other games, but t- uh, two is that I heard that the writing because it's done by one person and again I'm spoiled with Baldur's Gate right now some of the best writing ever in games, but I hear that it's like you know it's bad writing I've heard this from a few 
like grammar or typos even uh, in, in this sort of thing. Normally that doesn't buy, bother me that much in the sense, especially off JRPGs like Secret of Mana, which I mentioned now, if you played that, I'm sure that writing sucks and that is not like really a big deal, but my standards are off or higher now. And the other thing is that there was like, there was another game, uh, I think it's called Chained Echoes or something. Uh, mm-hmm. It was like an art, art, uh, pixel art RPG and I remember, like, I downloaded it. It was on Game Pass, and I played it for a bit, and I bounced off it kind of kind of hard. Uh, not to say it's not a good game or whatever, but I just remembered it, it wasn't clicking with me. I don't have that nostalgic uh, Super Mario RPG stuff, although Chrono Trigger uh, and Secret of Mana and Final Fantasy VI, these were big games for me. I, I love those games. So I, I see a lot of that there. Also, when I look at the screen caps, it doesn't have that HD 2D. It, it really just looks more like um, the games kind of like a newer version of the games used to look. So it's not attracting my eyes in the same way that those HD 2D games do. So anyway, sell me further, Ryan. Uh, are my concerns mis- like? Uh, ill-founded and it just the sick combat make up for it or or what do you think well uh on the note of writing uh, i i can't speak for everybody else but i feel like the criticism of the writing is one of those situations of like uh, this is a really great game the only thing we can find wrong with it is that the writing is not perfect and you know i'm not usually this dismissive but honestly i've played about 15 hours of it and the writing has not bothered me okay um if you are someone i know you work in comms uh commas are very important to you crofton i know that communications is what comms means for see that's that's how you know i work in (laughs) comms because i i explain what what these acronyms mean but yes yeah and you used commas very well there. Uh, here's the thing. Like, I think that um, it's not going to break the game for you. The writing is fine. The writing is, uh, in some parts, very good. Like, it's great. It, it's, it's not a hurdle for me at all. It is okay. all reading, though. It's all, it's, it, there's no voice acting. So you are right. reading it all. Um, there is a character that is a little more animated than others and, and is written a little differently she's more of like a break the fourth wall character sometimes you know maybe that's not your cup of tea but at the end of the day like it's not it didn't bug me uh but i feel like if you're looking for stuff to bug you like that's probably one you could you could hang your hat on but um there's so much else here that's great Uh, the artwork uh the screenshots might not do it justice um there are moments they do really interesting stuff with like background artwork and sort of like the movement of the background as you're moving through the environment. But you are right. It is very much taking the idea of Chrono Trigger, Super Mario RPG, and those like static arena type uh, map movements and just kind of giving it that 2023 polish. Like it's not HD 2D artwork. It's still 2D artwork. It's 2D hand-drawn stuff pixel art stuff i don't know if it's hand-drawn but there is a lot of like interesting elements that they do with the backgrounds and boss fights and larger enemies um and i mean i guess unless you really hate you know 2d pixel art like this game's artwork is is really is really superb i i love it and the music's great too i don't i don't hate it in in, uh anything it's just that like um 
you know, I played, I forget the name of the game off the top of my head right now. That remi- It reminds me of this a couple of years ago, like Chrono something. No, was it, was it Chrono? It was, uh, uh, man, it was like one that was like a, a 2D pixel art game that came to Switch as, as well, had sort of like an, uh, more like an action adventure stuff. You're inside an MMO world. Does this ring a bell for you? No. Anyway, no, it doesn't. Uh, it was it was a good game. I liked it, and the graphics reminded me of this. Uh, you know, again, it's just it's really tough right now uh, in terms of uh, all the stuff that there is going on. But I do have see if, like I'm looking for a for a Steam Deck game. I'd be neat to have a game where I'm sitting on my couch again instead of my computer. Like this is it. Like your recommendation is a good one. I I feel like I would like it. Like I do have nostalgia for these sorts of things, and the combat system, if it's tight and all that stuff, I'm I'm more than open to checking checking it out. I just know that it's like in it. We're we're like in a world where like cyberpunks like ten on ten, uh, Baldur's Gate ten on ten, Zelda's ten on ten. I haven't played the Resident Evil Four remake yet, but I love Resident Evil Four. It's ten on ten. <laughs> the DLC just came out, you know, or whatever. It's really hard. To, to be like I have time for anything else than the top topest of the top tier experiences it's why but like like I'm much more likely to play Sea of Stars right now than uh, than I am Starfield for instance so yeah um, it, it is the fact that it's able to pass some of these heavy hitters in interest is already is already uh, good but it's it's tough it's tough man there's a lot of good games out right now yeah, my biggest thing with Sea of Stars is that it's been a really good game that I can jump into for either 15 minutes or a couple hours. And Baldur's Gate 3, Starfield, uh, those games don't fit that category. They are like, I have two hours to play this. I've never been able to sit down for 15 minutes and enjoy that 15 minutes of either Starfield or Baldur's Gate. That's fair. Um, it's just it's too much to get into. But Sea of Stars is like it supports quick resume on the Xbox. I'm able to boot it right up. Um, if you save it uh, and and sort of close out, I've even tested it out with um, Xbox Cloud Gaming on the Steam Deck. And it works really well, even though it is a lot of time based mechanics like it. It worked. It was it was I was able to play it on the Steam Deck and progress my save by playing it there for about an hour. I mean, that's not going to sort of address like wanting to play this while you're on the go. Like that is you on the couch with a Wi-Fi connection playing the game on your steam deck. Uh, but it would get around, you know, having to buy it twice if you wanted to play it handheld every once in a while. Yeah. I think it works really well, but like I said, there's a lot of reading. And um, if, if that, if you struggle with that on the steam deck, uh, it, it didn't bug me. And when I was, when I was playing it, it didn't, it wasn't that big an issue, but it is worth noting that there is a lot of reading. And if you're, I mean, if you're, if you're playing Baldur's Gate three, although that's all voice acted though. So you can kind of get around. Amazingly voice acted. Amazingly. Amazingly. I just, I just met this wizened wizard who I guess is famous in the D and D world. And, uh, and uh, he's just like I. He was doing his spit, and I'm like, oh my god, it's so good. But uh, but yeah, I. It's funny how Baldur's Gate is breaking my brain from what to expect out of games. I know developers have gone on Twitter being like, hey, whoa, gamers, set your expectations. But like, I'm like, this game is crazy. I okay, no, sorry, I'm about to I'm about to go down a rabbit hole. Keep going, Ryan. Keep going. 
Well, you know what? There's not a whole lot else to say. I think it, it is a really, you know, it is a story that fits the type of games uh, that you would, uh, that, that it sort of is inspired by. It's set up as a prequel to uh, A Thousand Years Before the Messenger, which is Sabotage Studios' uh, previous game before this one. The characters are really interesting. The combat's really fun. The music's awesome. There are a couple of areas where the music does kind of, if you stick around in an area too long, you listen to the same track over and over again. But for the most part, yeah, the music's really, really great. And the fishing minigame is really cool. Uh, it's a fishing minigame I can actually succeed at, which is always a plus. Uh, I'm terrible at fishing in video games, but I seem to manage with this one. And yeah, like there's, it's, it's all like it's also like it's pretty linear in a sense that I haven't really gotten lost, but I feel like I'm always kind of heading down the path and I know where I'm going and I know that, OK, that's the that's the path to the next area. This is the path to go get the collectible that's off the side here. So like if you're looking for a big, expansive RPG, this is not it. It's 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 a big game. Don't get me wrong. I'm 15 hours in. I, I'm probably getting close to the end, I assume. But like. It's not sort of a wander and get lost kind of RPG, which I think fits well within what you're trying to do here is you're trying to find a game that isn't going to clash with Baldur's Gate, but sort of enhance it in a way of like, yeah, you know. agreed. I, 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 I'm not looking for another wander. No, uh, I got, I got that going on, but yeah, no good sales job, Ryan. I mean, this is uh, another plus one for this game. I might, might have to check that one out. You'll you'll love it. And, you know, I played a little bit of it with Caden one day uh, on the weekend and he was just having a blast sort of pointing out, you know, there's an enemy there. Like, what's that mechanic do? Like, he was actually helping me with, you know, puzzle solving because I was like, he's like, well, how do I move this block? He's like, how do you move that block around? What does it do? It's like, I don't know. Like, I'm sure there's a mechanic to do it. Like, did I forget how to push blocks around? And it was it was a really fun experience. I mean, it, again, like the combat's turn based. And it's button prompts. So like it's it's not sort of action based combat. Like Caden hasn't really hit that yet. But like he's got his reading down and he's able to like if I tell him like, okay, push the A button at this point and you'll do a little extra damage. Like it's uh they're very forgiving windows as well for for combat. So I think it would fit well for that. And again, like, you know, if you've got 15, we got 15 minutes to play games. Like, are you booting up Tears of the Kingdom? Or are you booting up Baldur's Gate 3? This is a much better option. Well, I mean, Tears of the Kingdom, I could, I, there's, I can always find fun in like five, 10 minute bursts in that game. Sure. But I, I get, I get your point. Get your point for sure. Perfect. Well, I look forward to your thoughts on Sea of Stars next episode. Actually, no, I'm hoping you play Cyberpunk because I'm really uh, curious about that one. Uh, I hear really good things. I admit that I'm I'm like it's not released yet, but I'm I'm very um, I am very tempted on this one uh, because I was playing Cyberpunk as listeners might know over the summer. I I bought it on Xbox Series X. I have it on PC as well, um, and uh, yeah, it was in anticipation of this release of the 2.0 and the expansion pack. And then I fell off it when the world just started flooding with 10 on 10 video games. Um, but I'm more than happy to, to jump back in. Uh, the problem is that as it is an all life encompassing game in the same way that Baldur's Gate is, and it's tough to have both going at the same time. 
what I like about this stuff is that I feel that by the time that I get to Starfield in like, I don't know, 2024 sometime, it'll hopefully, you know, I've gotten some good patches. Like you look at somebody who's playing cyberpunk who might've passed on it and is playing, will be playing it for the first time. Now they're going to be getting an amazing game, you know? So it's uh, the, if you can wait on some of these, like, I, I guarantee Starfield in three years from now, we may look back as like a much better game than we are now. Yeah. No, I, I, and that's the thing. I think Starfield is one that uh, is, is a familiar game. If you're a big fan of Bethesda games, like you're going to walk into this and be like, Oh, okay. This is, this is uh this is very familiar. And I think that's where I like, I, f- I don't feel bad, like sort of shelving it while, while all this other great stuff is happening. Uh, around it it'll always be there it's got i think the last numbers were like 10 million it is by no means a flop it's doing great uh so there's no harm in sort of like coming back to that one and i think the biggest thing i can say for starfield that is like one of my what was one of my concerns was um the the shooting you know like i think we might have even touched on it last uh episode it was like we were worried about, I was worried about the shooting. Cause again, like follow four has the VAT system for a right. reason. Uh, but the shooting in Starfield is excellent. Like it is, it feels like they really spent a lot of time making sure that felt great. Um, there's a lot of shooting. Uh, it is your main combat. It, it sometimes feels like a bit like a, a call of duty game, to be honest. Uh, and, but the star, the starship combat, like the, the aerial combat, I, it is not doing it for me. I am terrible at it. So, hey, can you explain yeah. something to me about Maybe. that uh, Starship's combat? Just because everybody, all these reviews and everybody's impressions of the game talk about the game is like a, a quick travel simulator. Like you're opening up your map, you click somewhere, and then you go there and you just click, 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 teleport there, teleport there. Like you're never flying from like in in no man's sky obviously a good comparator you you fly up you cross the atmosphere you're into space you fly around you you know you do warp and then you land in another planet and so forth and so on uh in this i i really got the impression at least from all these reviewers that that you're just bouncing around on maps click 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 so how do you end up flying in space like how do you get to the space combat, the space flying. Like if you're not taking off in your ship, like how do you get into space? So that's the thing. Like it's a bit disjointed. Um, taking off from a planet is just a takeoff button and it's it's a it's a cutscene. Um sometimes if you run into into enemies in space, it is either quest based or they just happen to be there. There's a faction called the spacers, which are kind of like the pirates of the game and they are sometimes hanging around planets and stuff and you can engage with them. You can fly up to them while you're in, you know, orbiting a planet. But for the most part, combat's kind of come around. It's very expected. Uh, It's either quest based, like, Hey, I need you to take care of these spacers. They've been patrolling this planet. Please take them out for me. You warp to that location, you get there and then the combat initiates once you get close enough and they notice you. Uh, But if you need to go to the, if you need to go to and land on the planet uh, and you see enemies that are flying in space, you can just fast travel to the, to the, to the planet and no one's the wiser. Like you just land and I have yet to have those enemies, even if they've engaged with me, I have yet to have them follow me to the, to the planet 
and chase me around down there. Like, it feels a little disjointed in the sense that, like, there are no consequences to fast traveling at all. Um, which is good because you're doing it a lot. You don't want to be punished because the game is set up that way. So, uh, I think I was talking about this on the gamers in it. It feels as though, like, my gamer brain is trying to tell me no if i fast travel too much i'm using up resources i'm wasting something that i should be saving but really that's not the case you are encouraged to fast travel everywhere you do not fly towards a planet to land you once you're in orbit you can kind of hit a to like target the planet and that gives you a big x button that says land and you hit land and then there's a loading screen and then you're on the planet so I mean, I might be saying that and that might be like disappointing folks at home. But at the end of the day, like I got to say this, like if they added your ability to land the ship itself, I don't think that changes anything about the game. It does not make it more or less interesting. It it kind of just is a thing, you know, <laughs> it, it feels like a chore if I had to land the ship, you know? Uh, well, I so you don't think that if. I don't want to really go down this rabbit hole until I played the game, but sure. But you, you, you don't think that that if they made it so that you could not fast travel, you could not jump from one system to another until you were in orbit, and that you had to like take off and fly your plane out of atmosphere, your your plane, your ship out of the atmosphere, and then you're in space, and that's when you can jump, and vice versa. And that pirates could like block your ability to jump and then you would have to deal with them or whatever. That wouldn't make the game more interesting. Cause to me, it sounds like it would. <laughs> uh, I don't think it would honestly. And maybe it's just me. I don't like the space combat. It is not fun. I'm not very good at it. It's made me stop playing a couple times. Um, I find that if that system were involved, I, it would be impeding my progress too much. And I would just stop. And I think maybe that's where maybe from a design standpoint, they're like, we need to make this as accessible as possible. Um, I don't like the idea of making it more approachable by removing a feature that maybe some folks were looking forward to. But in my mind, you were zipping around so much from planet to planet. It does feel as though you feel like a little, um, the immersion breaks a little bit at that stage where you're like, this doesn't feel realistic zipping around like this, like fast traveling through all these menus. But on the other hand, I think it's more fun. It gets you right to where you want to go. Like, I need to be at this planet to have this conversation with this person. All right, let's go. I don't yeah. have to plot a course. I don't have to, like, you know, check my fuel gauges, make sure whatever. And you can explore. You can go out. You can explore. You can look around. Like, you can go to any planet you want. You can land. They're usually pretty boring unless there's something there for you to do. And Usually the game kind of populates a couple things for you to do there, but like it's, they're just there to check a box. They're not there. They're not there so that you can explore a thousand planets. They're there because they had systems in place to generate that stuff, but it is, it's not, it's not curated content. It's generated content. It's, yeah. it's not fun to engage with. No, so. I, well, I, I'll leave it there. Cause I will plan to play the game and I do yeah. want to talk about it more when I have something to add. To add to this, because part of me wants to push back on some of those things and be like, well, what about this and that? But the reality is, like, I can't fully understand those points until I experience it for I, myself. I would really love to get your thoughts on it, because I, I feel like it really, it, like, Jocelyn and I landed pretty close when it came to Starfield and, and, and our thoughts. But I, I think, like, 
it would be interesting to get your thoughts on it because I, I think that there there is a lot there to love. And like I said, I'm enjoying it. But the other core issue has been the story. Like the story is pretty, yeah, it's not, uh, it's just kind of like the world is there, you know? Like, well, you know, in defense of that, just the, the Bethesda games, I can't think of anyone where I gave, too much of a rat's ass about what was going on in the story. Uh, a lot of them I did not finish. Actually, I'm not even sure I've ever finished a Bethesda game. But uh-huh. I w- I will say that that to your point earlier about these RPGs where you walk around and explore and just have adventures, like I am in Baldur's Gate now and it's so great, um, Bethesda was the pinnacle of that for me. Because Mass Effect was the pinnacle of the uh for for of the story driven rpg right um was the pinnacle of like you could you you know you're not really yes you're going to different planets but they're really story boxes you'll get some quests there there'll be story you'll push through uh they're not you know aside from mass effect one which was the one where you could drive the mako around these giant open worlds that had nothing really in them um and and they quickly removed that, realizing it was the shittiest part. Uh, I mostly the Mass Effect games were not about you know exploration. Um, and and what I what is just insane to me about Baldur's Gate is that it's giving me everything that those Bethesda games used to do the the Fallout threes, the Skyrim's, where you'd walk in it or pick a direction, go in that direction, you will have adventure. So it's got that. And then it's got everything from Mass Effect and Dragon Age and all of those like story characters, like better than any of those games, pretty much yeah. like the uh, all all of that stuff. And then it's got like uh, you know on top of that, you know you can do anything, you can make any choice, like like all. So like for me, I, it blows it blows my brain. And I know that Starfield is probably sick to death about being compared to Baldur's Gate 3. But as Microsoft's leak this week shows us, Baldur's Gate wasn't even on Microsoft's radar when they were talking about, like, you know, releasing. They thought it was going to be a a nothing burger, whereas Starfield they thought was going to be a juggernaut based on the pedigree of the studio and all that. And so, you know, you never know how these things will turn out. But um, today uh, somebody made a joke on the internet about about how cyberpunk's been in, in like both like Baldur's Gate's been in early access for like three <laughs> years. Cyberpunk has been in early access for like three years, and now this is the final version. I'm sort of hopeful that the same is true of Starfield. And I know you're like, well, once you play, you'll be like, there's no way to fix this, or that it's very difficult to to. It's not to- broken. Like that's the thing. Like Cyberpunk was broken. Right. Baldur's Gate three was was in early access for three years. Starfield isn't broken. It's just the way they pieced this together. Um, it's the, the like my core issue with the story has been like there's no real reason. There's no driving force. Like you, the, the the game starts right off the bat. It's like you find this mysterious metal. You touch it. It gives you hallucinations. And someone's like, "Hey, you're a part of us. This constellation organization. Now, here's my ship." Join us. Let's find more of these metal pieces. And that's kind of how it goes, right? Like this, there's no, there's no bad guy. There are, you know, evil factions and enemies in this world, like the spacers and various gangs. It kind of reminds me of how, 
um, uh, Firefly was sort of set up. Like, there's no aliens. It's just like there are various yeah. evil factions, a lot of pirates, a lot of like. It feels more like a western uh, than than a space game. It is a it is a space western. You know, it's very much like frontier. Co- you're selling me, Ryan. I know. You're sell- you're selling me. You're like, I'm like, I like Westerns and I like speed. Exactly. I like Firefly. I'm like, but, but you're right about setting expectations. Like maybe people came in with the wrong expectations. Of, yeah. Of I, I'm, I'll go back to it. Like you said, there's just so much going on right now. And I yeah. think Baldur's Gate three for me is more my jam, but I know Starfield, like I, the one thing, this is going to sound kind of lame, but like my favorite thing about Starfield in terms of like being in space is the ability to like go and dock at other spaceships and starships and stuff. And it's just, it's, it's such a simple mechanic and it's all, again, it's like you target the spaceship, the, the space station, you can hail it to say like, Hey, I'm interested in docking. You have a quick conversation back and forth. Then the dock option appears. You hit that dock button, goes to a cutscene docking. And then you have the option to like either, you know, get up from your space, get up from your cockpit or to just warp into the starship. And walk around from there. But again, like that to me is super cool. Like they've developed this whole universe and you, you can explore it and you can explore it by flying there, by fast traveling. Like there's so much in there to love. And I, and again, like, I feel like it struggles with a game that's been known for six years from a studio that has developed many well-praised RPGs. And it just happened to launch a month after Baldur's Gate three. It needs it's, it needs some space. I think Uh, (laughs) a field of space. Um, Yeah. All right. Let's, let's, let's leave it. Let's leave it there and uh, get into our, our, our diapers. Uh, But I'm, I'm curious about, uh, uh, about trying this game at one point. So we'll, yes. we'll talk about it again. Well, yes, let's get to the diapers. But before that, Crofton, Extra Life is back. I don't know if you know this, but we had months, months of planning in our Discord trying to figure out what we were going to do for Avendads. Uh, tiny.cc slash donate Avendads. We're back. It's happening. We've set a date. We figured out what games we're going to be playing. We're going to use a thing that we also spent months trying to figure out how to set up. Uh, Friday, October 13th, starting at 8 p.m. Eastern, Avendad's returns, and this time, we're going back. Going back to the 90s. That's right. We're doing Avendad's N64 War, and uh, myself, Crofton, Travis, and Whirlwind are going to battle it out through various N64 classics. Yes, Crofton, including GoldenEye 007. The game to this day, Ryan, I think I may have been best at, but I know also has aged horribly and I <laughs> probably am not good at anymore, but uh, I am excited to uh, to do that. And I think a diversity of games and trying different things uh, will be good. I'm looking forward to it. Should be fun. Yeah, it's going to be a great time. Uh, you can tune in at tiny.cc slash watch We'll have at least one more uh, Dungeons and Diapers here to uh, promote, but definitely add it to your calendars. Friday, October 13th, it's all in support of Extra Life. Uh, we're supporting Children's Miracle Network Hospitals, and you'll get to watch us uh, duke it out in uh, various Nintendo Expansion Pass N64 games like 007, Mario Kart 64, uh, Mario Party is also in there, although we don't want to take up the whole evening because it is uh, 
time sensitive, uh, but we've got some plans, we've got some ideas, but the main thing is tiny.cc slash watch event ads for the main event and tiny.cc slash donate event ads to support a great cause. And uh, Crofton, for our diapers, we are talking about pets, which uh, we thought was very fitting considering you just got two new kittens and it's been about a month a couple weeks what are we looking at here i want to say three weeks three weeks and and, um yeah it's uh so pets okay i've never had pets before as i think i mentioned last time like my parents have had pets um but i have never as an adult been responsible for pets up until these cats and uh you know people kept telling me cats you know they're easy yeah, uh, and uh, to a certain extent, that's true. But the cats—they're not expensive. You just gotta buy them food. They're good. Eh, I don't know about that. Uh, so there's a, there's a lot of there's a lot of um, responsibilities and stuff that I didn't really necessarily think through. And I know a lot of them are on the onset because I have kittens. So we had to take them for their vaccines and Gwen and I took them to the vet uh, or the animal hospital or whatever. Um, And they traveled really well to it and they, they got checked out um, and given their physical and I think put fingers up their bums and whatever else the vets have to do. And they're less glamorous job than I thought. And, and, um, and then vax, you know, vaccines. So they they got their vaccines, and then next thing they know, they're gonna have to be uh, they're gonna have to be neutered because we're both boys, and so that'll be the next thing um, to, to 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 take them in. And they've been sort of like a comp, you know, acclimatizing to the house, uh, and they get the zoomies where they're running around and they're crazy, and they're pretty cute, uh, and they're starting to like you know, starting to fit in, starting to 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 you know, feel like they're, they're part of the family. The girls are still very excited about them. So the novelty hasn't run off uh, yet, but um, Jess was saying earlier, she was like, Oh, you know, I wish maybe we got an older cats instead of kittens would have been easier. And then she was like, maybe just a, a dog. And I was like, Oh God, not a dog. And I re- <laughs> and I realized like, dogs just you know they come like it, it it's all it's all i guess ryan it's money and responsibility right and yeah. and i when i'm talking about pets i'm talking mostly about pets as a family man that already has money and responsibility issues right um if i was living by myself especially with my experience with the kitten so far i'm like i would totally get cats but like when you're when when it's just one more thing that you have to worry about, especially when you have young kids, like I would just say, if you don't have, if you're in a sp- position where you like had it pets before you had kids, and the pets are still around when you have kids, so obviously you've got pets, you you keep those pets. But if you're in a position where you had kids and you're thinking, should I get pets? I'm here to say you should wait until your kids can help out and are older or whatever, Uh, because otherwise it's just, it's just another thing. It's just like, like clearing out the litter box in the morning and the evening is another task on our lists at the end of the day, you know, buying stuff, buying the food uh, or, or taking to the vet or doing all this stuff. This is other stuff. Like Jesse is stressed about a couple of things. She's like, the cats are like trying to get outside. They're not chipped yet. We need to get like 
We need to get this this thing for them to play because they're bored and they're trash in the house. Like there's just things, right? And I mean, I I still really like them, and and I think once they start sitting on our goddamn laps and giving us purrs and cuddles, maybe maybe my ice heart, my Grinch heart, will melt or grow three sizes bigger. But right now, I would just say like the timing around pets is something that I would consider. I don't know how do you feel. Like when did you get your dog? Yeah, so uh, we we got Zoe the year uh, before we had a couple years before we had kids. So Zoe, uh, we got the year we were married, and then we had kids two years later. So Zoe really grew up in an environment where she was the only sort of extra thing running around the house, uh, you know. And I think that goes a long way because, like, what I've noticed is I've seen folks who have who have gotten pets. Uh, that from a young age, I've gotten used to kids. And I th- I feel like that's really important for uh, to have a pet. When you're having a pet in the house, you, you know, there are some pets that you have to really think about like, okay, like how are the kids coming into play going to affect our, our dog and, and their, or, or, or cat or whatever, iguana. Um, it, it, you have to kind of like build in that, like, that time for for the pet to get used to the new addition to the family um and with zoe we we did have to do that it was about you know with with caden it it took it took a bit but she's a very easygoing dog as long as you give her space um and don't you know go out don't run after her she's good you know uh and then after that she just kind of she just she i i will often get questions from my kids like why doesn't zoe like us and i'm like well you know, because Zoe will let me pick her up whenever I want to say, Zoe, come here. And she'll like walk over and I'll pick her up. But if the kids want to pick her up, they have to like, they kind of have to chase her around. Right. Because uh, she's squirrely. She's a small little dog. She's a, a Shih Tzu Yorkie. So she's very small. Uh, and squirrel is a great descriptor. And she will just kind of like avoid the kids. Like if the kids are looking for her, she will just walk away. Yeah, and she knows when the kids are... And lately, Abby's been like really uh, attached to Zoe, like wanting to pick her up and and carry her around. And, you know, uh, she likes to move the living room around and re- take all the cushions off the couch and kind of arrange like this, like little section of the room and like move all of Zoe's like beds and toys and food in there. And I'm like, you're stressing the poor dog out. I uh, yeah, it's funny because Clara just hauls one of the cats around all the time, <laughs> like a stuffy, and I yeah. cannot believe that this cat puts up with this. But but uh, it is it is funny. It's the same same way. Is Zoe like? Because how old is Zoe now? So Zoe's nine. Uh, so, yeah. So is is Zoe like like? Have you guys had a lot of medical issues or any with Zoe? Uh you know, not, not really like, um, smaller dogs are, uh, sometimes more prone to like more maintenance type, uh, vet visits. Um, so we've had to go like every couple years for, you know, that type of stuff. Like just, uh, yeah, like they're just more maintenance visits. Um, but she is getting older, you know, you take her to the vet, they, they want to like, you know, look at her teeth and they want to do all that stuff. And, and that can be very expensive. And, you know, we just, we kind of manage it um, the, the best we can ourselves, but like, she's been pretty good. And, and, you know, it's funny, like I would have said the same thing to you about cats in terms of cats being 
pretty inexpensive because again, like I grew up on a farm. Uh, so when I was a kid, we always had cats and, and the kids love going to my parents because they always have cats, but that's barn cats, right? I know. And it makes a big difference. We read a book last night about the cat, about like this kitten on a farm. And uh, I read to the girls and I was like, man, that must be easy. You just like friggin' let them go. But we actually, when we adopted these cats, we, we, from the, from the, the, this rescue, we had to sign this thing that said that we would, you know, uh, we would spay, we would neuter them and that we would not let them outside. Um, and so it is tough because they already want to go. At first I thought they would have no interest, but man, they, they want to go and there's a lot of squirrels around outside the windows and birds and they want to go outside. I can see. And, and, I went out to the shed to work today and one of them shot through my legs and got outside and I just grabbed him at the top of the stairs and threw him back in and was like, Hey, you stay there. But like he, he was, he made a play, you know? So, so I, I just, I guess like, like you're going to be in a situation with Zoe where like, you're going to, you know, when you're going to, you know, you're, she's going to pass on. Zoe is going to live forever Crofton. And I've told my kids that. So, it's, no, good you're teaching, it's good you're teaching them <laughs> realistic lessons. I'm setting them up. Uh, no, we, we've had that conversation with the kids about Zoe. And I say, like, Zoe's very old and you got to treat her with respect because, like, she's very fragile, especially if you're trying to carry her around like a stuffy. And they've they've gotten pretty good with that. Because if the cats here are healthy, this is my point. It's about when when you can ideally get the animals. For me, the, if the cats are healthy, Clara is five. She's the youngest, right? How yes. long is a cat? Like you might get ten years out of ten a cat? to fifteen, I think. So, so, so let's say she's let's say twelve years. So then Clara would be seventeen when the cats die, right? Yeah. And I and, and you know Gwen would be in her early twenties, pretty much, or like like it would be it would be not bad i guess is what i'm saying whereas if for those who get you know they sometimes say that um dogs or cats are like training wheels for kids like oh i love you honey maybe we should get a dog together okay and then it's like uh will you marry me let's have babies you know it's like we we kept this dog alive so that means we should have uh, a bunch of human babies now so like yeah. If you if you do that, like if you get a dog and or a cat or any animal as a couple together before you have kids, that's fine, that's great, but just know that when you then have the kids, those kids are going to have to like and I it is a learning experience for them. Like I mean, if you want to go through that, like you're going to have to go through a situation where where let's say the dog lives until it's uh, 14, for instance, which is still, you know, a good time. That's 6 years from now. And uh, probably the last year of its life, you're going to incur a bunch of medical expenses, I feel, because I feel that's the way it is with pets. It's like as they get older, it's like then they're suddenly and you're willing because they've been such a part of your family. Like, no, no offense to these two kittens. Like if they I went to the vet and they they felt <laughs> what is they this, fe- where is this going? They they felt both of their throats and they're like, oh, this guy's got a swollen limp or swollen lymph node. I don't even remember. I don't even remember what it was, but, but he's like, it's unusual. It shouldn't be like that. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Is that bad? He's like, well, if he was older, I would say it's cancer. And I'm like, Oh shit, really? And he's like, yeah, but because he's young and he's so young and I'm touching it a bunch and there's no pain. I just think it's like a weird growth thing and I wouldn't worry about it. But if he starts developing sort of like liquid or discharge, you know, 
let me know or like let's get back in touch and i'm like oh yeah okay and then i had a moment being like oh my god wait maybe one of them would die or or like if and i realized like if if <laughs> the doctor was like yeah we could remove it but it would cost five hundred dollars i'd be like well geez playstation 5 watch you know uh, I, I, I don't, I don't know dog. And then we would talk about, but if you're, if the animal is, is, is part of your family, like Zoe is really like ensconced in part of your family, you'd be like $500, take my house, take my house doctor, you know, like don't, whatever we'll say. Yeah. The, the pool right it, there though, to be honest. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, <laughs> I, know. I, I think, yeah, no, I, I, I mean, well, you know, it's tough, right? Because again, like vets are incredibly expensive. And I know that uh, we haven't we haven't actually been through it a lot. Like we personally haven't been through it. But I know Ashley's family with pets, they've been through like sort of the some of the ups and downs of vet visits. And, and I think it just it comes with the territory and you have to make that that call on a case by case basis. And you never like go. You need to understand when you're getting a pet that there's always a chance uh like like anything you know and there is pet insurance out there that you can get to kind of like ease that uh burden a little bit if 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 you so desire uh just like when we bought zoe sometimes with pets there's this upfront cost like crofting you're talking about you know uh shots and stuff and getting them neutered uh our local um vet that we go to had like the puppy program so like that was a big the big cost of getting a pet up front is not just buying the dog or the or the cat it is making sure you're doing the responsible thing of you know spayed or neutering or uh and and shots and all that fun stuff the the puppy program we did was like an upfront payment plan that covered everything you needed for the first year of 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 pet ownership so shots and you know, uh, spayed or neutering and all that stuff. So like, that was a really, that was a, I was impressed with how, how that was a much more easier entry into pet ownership. Uh, so like there are options out there for that sort of stuff, but yeah, like with anything, it's gonna, it's gonna cost you money. And I know like Ashley and I have talked about like what we would want to do, uh, when, when Zoe does pass away and, and, I think like it would be an interesting reset for the kids because then they would have they would have a they would have a pet they could call their own and a pet that <laughs> wouldn't run away because they know the kids are 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 chasing them and and you would talk about a new pet. I thought you were talking about like having a contact in the city of Peterborough and having a state funeral or something. But you were you were you're talking about you would you would just be like bye Zoe next pet. For the kids. No, like I, I, I mean, I, honestly, it never works that way. Uh, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but I think, like you know, Zoe's still got a, a, a long. I feel bad for Zoe. Zoe, why don't we talk about your your pets for a bit? Now, Zoe, Zoe's a great dog. We love Zoe very much, and and I think like it was, it, uh, like I love that she respects the kids. She tells the kids when the kids are bugging her, but she doesn't do much more than growl. And I always say to the kids, like, that is Zoe telling you to leave her alone. You know, like, you know, when a dog growls at you like that, you just got to leave them alone. And that's all Zoe would do. And and Zoe will often like if growling doesn't work, Zoe will will lick uh, the kid's hands or something to let them know, like, hey, still uh, not cool with you uh, trying to pick me up or be near me right now. So she's a really great dog. And, and um, 
but he is, she's a small dog, so she likes to bark at everything, which can can get rather annoying uh, at times. But uh, the kids love her, and I, I just remember when I was growing up, like you know, you you brought up that age comparison. Like it is kind of funny because I had a cat probably right around uh, Gwen's age, and uh, I went away to college, and the cat was still alive and had passed away while I was while I was away at college. So it is like they can you know pets they can last quite a while you know like they they just keep on keep on going and i just remember you know it was like oh man my this barn cat that i've had since i was a kid like they they last so and it was a great experience like i loved having uh cats as as a as a kid and uh but they were always outdoor cats we did have indoor dogs um they were poodles, miniature poodles. We like the smaller dogs. We can't tell, <laughs> you know, we're not big dog folks. I I hear you. It's not the size of the dog, you know, uh, in the fight. It's the size of the fight in the dog. And one thing I will say um, when talking about pets is that notably a lot of people have hair allergies. And this is something that we've been kind of like supervising with the cats, like, does, right. do, is Jesse allergic? Is Clara allergic? I'm, you know, like, is anybody allergic, really? And w- we think we're out of the woods now, uh, although Clara's had this cough. We don't think it's related to the cats. But I do recognize that a lot of people can't have cats or dogs and, like, other pets. You know, there's there's the less popular, you know, less common pets, like, I think, birds or 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 I know a lot of people have fish. We had a fish one time. He died. Uh, it was not a, we tried our best, but fish are harder than you think. You think fish are like the lowest <laughs> mate, maintenance pet you can think of. It's like, oh, they float around in the ta- tank, but if you don't have the pH balance or whatever, next thing you know, they're floating on top of the tank and you're like, whoops, are bad. In our case, it was like, we put toys or stuff in the tank and like the beta fish, like scratched themselves on, on one of the toys and then just got infected or just died and i was like oh man you know and so i had to explain that to to gwen and um it was in her room too so she was the one to find the dead body uh, floating yeah but it was like it was a learning experience i all told it's like you know you have to when you get pets with kids you have to you just have to have those conversations and like i i do think that there's like I don't want to, I don't want to cast a wide net here and say there's only these two types, but the two types that worry me of, of pet owners are the, um, are what I call the Disneyland pet owners. These are these are the people that um, had a, in their mind's eye an image of the perfect family that they were like, oh, there's going to be them and their two kids, and then they would have a dog and a cat and they would take post thanksgiving shots and put them on instagram and everybody would be wearing cardigans even the dog and cat would be wearing animal cardigans and it'll be so cute um i worry about those pet owners because they they, they'll get dogs and cats under the you know maybe before they have the time or energy or ability to properly take care of them uh, and then they expect, you know, it's just one other drop in their glass of responsibilities that comes with being 
being a family or, or, or being parents and stuff. And it's just too much. So I, I worry about people that are thinking about getting pets because they, in their mind's eye, they're just trying to rush. The reason I call that Disneyland parents is uh, for me, it's like the parents that take their, you know, two-year-old to Disneyland before their two-year-old can barely walk. And they're like, cause in their mind, they've always wanted to take their kids to Disneyland and they just couldn't wait. So they took their kid well before it was ready. It's like getting a pet well before you're ready. So the Disneyland pet owner. Um, and then the other is the one where you're convinced by your children uh, and your children are like, please, daddy, please. Can we have a pet? And you really, really don't want a pet. And you acquiesce to your kids like because I didn't really want a pet and they sold me on it over time. It took some time and I knew I didn't want to be the Grinch, but I knew that I was going to be largely responsible for a lot of it. And if I folded just because I wanted to make them happy and then I was resentful and frustrated with the animals, it would be a bad scene. In the end, I had to at least be like, okay, ambivalent. They would have had to, you know how I made you sell me Sea of Stars earlier? Same deal. They had to sell me the cats and 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 the belief that they would help to a certain extent so that I wasn't resentful. And so those are the two types of like family pet owners that I worry about the most, the ones that are getting them just for like props for their family and have always envisioned them as having pets and got them before they had the capacity to take care of them. And the ones where they're getting them just because their kids wore them down, even though they never really wanted them. I would say those are the two red flags. If you're outside of that and you're like, no, I want an animal and I feel like I've got the energy, then, then, you know, fill your boots. I say, yeah, I, I agree with you. Like in the in the middle ground there of like there is a category of pet ownership with your family that I, I personally think if you're up for the task, because again, like as the adult, as the responsible adult, it is going to fall to you to make sure that either a the kids are feeding and or cleaning up after the pet, uh, letting them out, that sort of thing, or you are if that responsibility isn't being picked up by the kids. Like for us, like Zoe's really easy. Give her a little food in the morning, a little food in the evening. She's been trained to go to the door when she needs to go out and you let her out. And the kids will actually let her out if she needs to go out. Like it's not, it's, it's really not a huge responsibility. And she is such a small dog that she just like runs around the house and she's good, you know, like, uh, so, but I, I really do believe that if you're up for the task, your kids having a pet in the house can be a really fun experience. Like it, it, it is a, it is an experience they can have as a kid that is like, they're not going to get that again, you know? Yeah. Agreed. And like, that's like, we're, we're leveraging that to the full extent. It's hard to get the kids up in the morning right now. And now we say like, you know, if you want to go down and see the cats who are, have to stay in the basement overnight, sure. um, like we're we're like if you want to see the cats before you go to school, you know you got to brush your teeth and get ready and all of this. And they're all like every day it's like magic. They're like, oh, we yeah. want to see the cats, you know. Um, and so yeah, no, absolutely, I agree with you. There's like a level of of a magic to having a pet. And we babysat the hamster, the school hamster, over the summer, which I might have talked about uh, on this you show. Did, and yeah. And I mean, hamsters are like bunny because they're just in the tank. Like you could take them out of the tank. We didn't or whatever. But, you know, like there's there there's a there were a lot more like 
you know, cleaning the poop out of the tank. There's always poop management. That's another thing to bear in mind. Like we have just got, I told Jesse this, I don't want to be back in poop. We got, we got out of poop with like Clara doesn't wear diapers. Like we're, we're, we're not, we're not handling any poop except our own poop right now. Do like, why handle more, more poop? But, uh, but you know, like that's, that's one thing you have to, bear in mind these are things like you got a dog you're going to be scooping its poop you have a cat you're going to be scooping its litter box it's just like these are these are things just be sure that you're aware before you you know what you're signing up but make yourself a list and know what you're signing up for yeah no and and here like you're still in the early days of cat ownership and uh early days of any pet is never easy because you are not only training yourself you're training your kids you're training the environment but you're training the kittens as well. So I uh, like this conversation could, could change. Cause I, like you've got me, you know, pet ownership for nine years, kids being in the house for seven, like that's a lot of experience. And we kind of went through like the rough early days without also having to manage kids at the same time. Uh, but now right. like, you know, Zoe and Zoe's a small dog. Like we're not talking about like, triceratops jurassic park (laughs) levels of poop that you see some from some dogs out there this is like little nuggets that often the kids will go you know clean up like like isabel uh, who's three you just give her one Uh, of those bags and she'll go pick it up herself you know and then you make sure she washes her hands and it a couple tries to get it right but she's got it now like she's pretty good so it's daddy these m&ms taste strange (laughs) you know we we've got like stuff falling off the trees that is bigger than Zoe's poop. So it's like, it's not a difficult thing to manage, but that's the other thing too. Like if, you know, I, I sometimes like, Oh man, this is a great deal. This is a really great dog. And it's like, okay, like that's how big it is when it's a puppy. How big is it going to be when it's fully grown? And how's that going to work with everything going on? Like there's things you don't think of too. Like we didn't like, Come Christmas, these kittens are going to wreck our Christmas tree big time. I don't see any way. Like, Jesse had this plant downstairs. Like, God forgive – like, we don't have many plants in our house. But if you had a lot of plants in your house or if your girlfriend was obsessed with plants and just filled your house full of plants, then then like – the cats would just destroy them all. Like they were like digging on this one plant potted plant. We had, we had to put it in a room upstairs and close the door, you know, uh, they're just, and that was not something we ever considered like, Oh, they're, they're going to start gunning for our plants. Right. So there's, there's lifestyle things that you'll have to, if you like things just a certain way, then maybe, you know, cats, crazy kittens aren't for you or get a older, more mature cat. That's not crazy. Right. Yeah. You're you're at least you've got at least one Christmas of don't go near that tree. You might even want to like set up. I've I've seen I know some uh you know indoor cat owners will set up like de- decoy trees for the cats to just terrorize. Like maybe look at Kijiji or Facebook Marketplace and buy like a really you know ratty old fake Christmas tree and just set that one up for the for the cats to destroy. I mean maybe maybe that'll work. I don't know could backfire it could teach them how to best destroy the real tree i don't know but well like all the ornaments are like you know dangly and they move and as soon as something moves they're and kittens are so crazy like these these guys when they get the zoomies we call them they're just they're just nuts and they tackle each other one will just run into a full size tackle on the other and they'll just roll around and beat the crap out of each other for a while which is incidentally what they're doing right now 
Um, and, uh, and yeah, like, so, so, you know, you throw that energy at a tree or whatever, but cats, like they'll sleep, they'll, they'll be tired and they'll be out of it for quite a long time as well. And as they get older, that'll be more and more common. So we're hoping we, we get to that phase and, and maybe out of this kitten phase, people think they love kittens, but man, kittens, they got energy, Ryan. They uh, do indeed. Uh, well, Crofton, um, I think that's pets. I mean, we'll definitely pets. have to do like a pets too. And then replace the main voice actor with Patton Oswalt. I mean, maybe that's something we look at uh, in a couple of years. I don't know if right. that reference lands for you, but no, uh, it it does. I totally get that. Perfect. Sorry, Louis C.K. I I will say that um, that uh, you know who knows I could have another pet by that time. <laughs> yes, Crofton now has a. Did I ever tell you the time that I had a, a pet Canadian goose? No. Yeah. Is this real? It is real. Yeah. When I was a kid, we had this uh, Canadian goose who had like a, it was, it was, it was a baby and its wing had sort of gotten clipped or something. We found it on the side of the road and uh, we brought it home and yeah, it was just our pet for a bit. We, we kind of let him, he just hung around, you know, he, he couldn't fly cause his, his wing was clipped. And then, you know, end of summer one time we just, couldn't find him. We we assumed he flew away, but I mean, you know, maybe. Is that what your Is that what your dad told you? Uh, well, I think he, we were old he, enough he, that he, 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 he must have, he must have flown away. <laughs> Pass me another piece of this weird tasting turkey, Ryan. <laughs> well, it's illegal <laughs> to eat Canadian geese; they are protected. Uh, I'm pretty sure. So, no, that did not happen. But uh, yeah, one day he just uh, he wasn't there. We called him Lucky uh, until he wasn't. It, until he wasn't. <laughs> nailed it all right well with that let's end this topic and uh crofton what are we talking about next episode because we actually have a topic set yes we do we're heading into the spooky season so we will be talking halloween with kids uh and in general so it's time to get spooky and talk halloween meanwhile People should uh, let us know what they do, what pets they have, and uh, what they do for their pets, and what's a good pet to get, uh, and what's an underrated pet, and all of that stuff. How can they do that, Ryan? Yes. Well, go to our website, tgistudios.com slash dad. You can email the show, dad at tgistudios.com. You know, if you want to drop us a bumper or a PS5 watch or whatever, you know, uh, dad at tgistudios.com. You can also follow us on Twitter. You can find me and R. Murphy, Crofton at Crofton Steers, and the show at D&D Cast. That is going to do it for this episode of Dungeons & Diapers. Have a great couple weeks, and we'll see you in October for Halloween. Excavate your pool, Ryan. It's time to do it. Pool, pool Watch 2023. Uh, this is his first strike. I want my own bumper. <laughs> yeah. Skeptical face. There you go.